The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau announced a rule this summer to ban forced arbitration provisions in financial contracts that prevent harmed consumers from banning together in court. But the new rule may be in jeopardy. Today, we'll talk to Public Justice Executive Director Paul Bland and Public Citizen Arbitration Campaign Manager Amanda Werner about what the new rule would mean for consumers. I'm Tori Summerman. You're listening to Texas Tells. Consumer scandals more and more are coming to light. Cross-selling is one of the main reasons that Wells has become the most valuable bank in the world. Wells measures cross-selling by the number of different accounts a customer has with Wells. Other big banks average fewer than three accounts per customer. But you set the target at eight accounts. Every customer of Wells should have eight accounts with the bank. And that's not because you ran the numbers and found that the average customer needed eight banking accounts. It is because, quote, eight rhymes with great. This was your rationale right there in your 2010 annual report. And with them, important questions of how we could have prevented millions of consumers from being put at financial risk. Enter the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, tasked with studying the impact of forced arbitration by Congress in the 2010 Dodd-Frank Act. Here's Public Citizen Arbitration Campaign Manager Amanda Werner on what they found. Arbitration is a private process um, where the banker lender picks the firm that decides your case. So instead of arguing your case to a judge or jury, um, they hire, you know, essentially a, a random person. They don't have to be a lawyer. They don't have to be a judge. Um, to decide what happens to you. So the CFPB did a big study. This is where we got a lot of these data points from, that corporations win 93% of the time, that consumers get 12 cents on the dollar, and also that consumers are actually very well served by class actions. Um, 6.8 million consumers every year get $440 million back in class actions, not including attorney's fees, not including court costs. After years of extensive study on the topic, the CFPB issued a rule banning forced arbitration provisions that prevent consumers from joining together to hold financial institutions accountable in court. These class action bans, as Public Justice Executive Director Paul Bland explains, had huge repercussions for harmed consumers. So most lenders, going back to the um, uh, late 1990s, early 2000s, started writing fine print contracts that said you not only have to go to arbitration, but that you have to go to arbitration on an individual basis. You can't bring a class action. They cheat a whole bunch of consumers, even if they cheat them all in the exact same way for the same amount of money. The consumers can't band together. Instead, what the consumers have to do is bring individual cases one at a time, and they can't be part of a class action. So the CFPB conducted this big study, and what they found is that in those cases where consumers were able to go forward, and bring their own cases, they ended up frequently receiving very large um, recoveries. By contrast, if you looked at um, individual cases in the entire United States for all types of lenders, despite the fact that arbitration clauses were nearly all credit card, checking account, and so forth agreements, they found that the number of consumers who went to arbitration year after year was about 400 consumers a year just the tiniest number. And it was really uh, such a clear comparison that the CFPB ended up um, issuing a rule that said that banks and payday lenders cannot have arbitration clauses that prevent the consumers from bringing cases on a class action basis, that it was just too unfair to say that class actions were going to be wiped away. 
So how does this apply to the consumers harmed in the Wells Fargo and Equifax scandals? So the Wells Fargo account scandal is really a, a perfect example of what, what the stakes are here. So Wells Fargo um, uh, had a system set up where their, a lot of their employees only got bonuses or their, their compensation was really tied to whether or not they were able to create new accounts or not. And then they were under so much pressure and the system was set up in such a way that fairly soon you had people inventing phony checking account or credit card accounts for large numbers of people. Um, so it's really an amazing, um, amazing fraud uh, against literally several million people. There had been a class action filed about this in 2014. And if the class action had been able to go forward and they'd been able to put forward evidence, they could have got a court to shut this down. But Wells Fargo was able to go to court and get the class action thrown into arbitration on an individual basis and ended it. Then there was another class action filed in 2015, and that, court, that case was also thrown out of court, um, thrown into individual arbitration, and disappeared. And so the only way that the Wells Fargo scandal got to the point that 2 million people were cheated was that the company was able to force these cases out of court and into arbitration. The same goes for the Equifax scandal. After a massive security breach that potentially exposed the personal information of 143 million people to hackers, Equifax was caught guiding consumers attempting to find out if they're affected by the breach to sign up for a one-year free credit monitoring service, which included a forced arbitration provision banning class actions. After public outrage over the arbitration clause, Equifax released a statement saying the company would not apply any arbitration clause or class action waiver against consumers for claims related to the free products offered in response to the breach. The Equifax and Wells Fargo scandals illustrate the larger issue, that consumers want and need protections like the CFPB rule to hold their financial institutions accountable and to prevent future misconduct. But despite public support, the CFPB rule is at risk. This July, the U.S. House of Representatives voted to repeal the rule, and now it's up to the Senate to decide whether to preserve it. You know, I think consumers should be a little bit concerned that uh, before the ink was even dry on the CFPB rule, Congress is already moving to repeal it. Um, You know, the House resolution was filed just a few days after the CFPB um, announced the rule. The fact is, the rule has been finalized. We have our rights back. You know, as of right now, our rights have been restored. So what Congress is actually doing here is not simply trying to repeal a rule. Congress is making an affirmative effort to try to strip us of our rights to sue banks and lenders in court. And I think most Americans are not going to stand for that. With scandals like Wells Fargo and Equifax, Americans seem to be paying more attention. And hopefully, lawmakers will too. And so one of the funny things about this, or one of the ironic things about this, is you have a number of um, um, uh, members of Congress who are sharply critical of Wells Fargo and how it cheated people and how badly it behaved against people. And at the same time, those same members of Congress are voting to say that the CFPB rule has to be thrown out so that it will be possible for companies like Wells Fargo to cheat consumers in the future. There's really a disconnect between the words of some of the um, congressmen and their actions in voting to make it impossible for consumers to defend themselves when this kind of action, when, when this kind of cheating takes place. Contact your U.S. Senator today to tell him or her to preserve your legal rights by voting against the repeal of the CFPB rule. Mm-hmm. 
That's all we have time for today. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Texas Tells. All the music on today's show was performed in-house by Ware Wendell. Texas Tells is a production of Texas Watch. You can learn more at www.texaswatch.org.